0: This is the season of His grace. This is the season of our breakthrough. This is the season of His power. This is the season where His love shines through at Pentecostal Tabernacle, broken love. All right. Well, good morning, church. I'm gonna get right into it. Um, our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter one, starting in verse one. So, tradition holds that John was written by the Apostle John, also known as the Apostle whom Jesus loved. And it was written toward the very end of his life. And the setting is significant because of the twelve apostles, the other eleven all died violent deaths at an early age. Whereas John, lived to the age of 90, and died of natural causes. And so by the time he wrote his gospel, John was likely the last person alive who had walked with Jesus when he was still on earth. And what is more, John probably knew it. He knew that the other apostles were all gone, and he knew that he was the only one left. And he knew that one way or the other, he would be gone soon as well. And in that context, he puts pen to paper and writes one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture, starting again in chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And skipping down to verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all begin by jumping right into the action. They talk about Jesus' birth or John the Baptist preparing the way. John, by contrast, does something different. Here in the first half of chapter 1, he chooses to summarize his entire gospel in just a handful of verses. If he was texting it, he would have started off with TLDR. Those who are not texters, TLDR stands for too long, didn't read. Basically, John has an important point that he wants to carry across in his gospel, a theme, and he sets it out right at the very beginning to make sure that we can't miss it. Did you miss it? The theme is life. As the last surviving apostle facing the end of his ministry on earth, John wants to make sure that his readers know about life. And the life he is writing about isn't just any old life. You see, the Gospel of John is written in Greek. And in Greek, there are at least four different words that you can use for life. One is the bios life, that is the life of a physical body. That's what John refers to when he talks about the blood and the flesh. There's also the psyche life, the life of our emotions and characteristics. There's also the pneuma life, the spiritual life. But John doesn't use any of those words for life in this passage. Instead, he uses the word zoe. Now, zoe is a relatively unused word in Greek, but John uses it a lot. He uses it 32 times in all, more than twice as much as the other gospel writers combined. It is in John that Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. It is in John that Jesus declares, I will give living water welling up to eternal life for those who seek it. It is in John that Jesus declares, I am the resurrection and the life. And I am the way and the truth and the life. It is in John that Jesus teaches, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And in perhaps the single most famous verse of the entire Bible, in John 3.16, Jesus promises, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal. In all those verses, John uses the word Zoe for life. He wanted his readers to understand this new Zoe life that Jesus offers to those who believe that was his theme. Now, life is an abstract concept. It is hard to visualize. And so John uses tokens or symbols, things we can see and hear and touch to represent Zoe. And we see the first symbol here in our scripture reading. He uses light as a symbol of Zoe life. It's right there in verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He says it straight up, in the beginning, zoe life was what men called light. Now, light is something we can see, it's something we are familiar with, and so in the rest of the passage, John uses light as a symbol of the zoe life. Indeed, I think we gain much by replacing the word light with the word life throughout this passage, and indeed, the Gospel of John, so the true Life, which gives life to everyone, was coming into the world. The life shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome that life. Who needs a life that the darkness cannot overcome this morning? But you see, I don't think we quite grasp the symbolism of what John is trying to convey here, and so I have a demonstration. Now, for those of you who haven't seen me preach before, I work at MIT, and I like to have good special effects in my sermons. And so uh, this particular demonstration involves lasers, because of course it does. So here I have a high-powered laser. Oh, wait, hold on just a second. A high-powered laser purchased on the internet, so you know it's safe. And just as in John, I am going to have this light represent the Zoe light. Now, I think this laser is an appropriate representation of Zoe life because if I shone this laser at the sky on a clear day, it would be visible from outer space. It is a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. That is Zoe life. Now, according to John, this Zoe life comes from God. As he writes, in him, that is, in the word that was with God, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He goes on to say, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And this seems kind of strange. After all, how can you not recognize light? How can you not See it. That's kind of the obvious thing about light, right? Well, this laser can illustrate that point perfectly, because from where you're sitting, looking up at the stage, you can't tell if this laser is on or off. I'll just illustrate that by going on, off, on, off, on. Okay, if you have very, very good eyesight, some of you in the back are like, oh yeah, I can see it. Is it dusty in here? Hold on. Let me take my goggles off. Okay, you can see, is it that you can see the box? Okay, the box is supposed to be here so that you can't see the end of the laser, all right? So can you see the laser here? Let me put my glasses back on so I don't go blind. Can you see the laser here? Some some people are like, oh yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Some of y'all are liars. Because sometimes the Zoe life can be right in front of you, and you can miss it. You see, the Zoe life is hard for us to comprehend it is much easier for us to understand our bios life. We are hungry or thirsty or tired. Those are the things that are easy for us to understand. So I'm going to have this bottle of water represent our bios life. And yes, the water is not 100% clean. That's part of the analogy. But And John goes on to say, but to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That is to say, John is talking about two different lives here. The first one is born of the blood and the flesh and the will of man. That is our bios life. But the other life is the Zoe life. and The Zoe life also needs to be born. And when we are born as children of God, our bios life enters into the Zoe life of Jesus and, We see his glory. You may feel dull or cloudy or dirty, but when you connect with the Zoe life of God, you can shine. Jesus came for us, came for the tired, the hungry, the perishing, so that they might have new life. And this new life is not just about fixing up the old life. It's not about taking our bios life and changing our circumstances because circumstances are temporary. Zoe life is forever. Our finite bios life cannot contain the Zoe life. You see, and this is going to be hard for me to do with two hands. It would be easier if I had three. So Eric's going to be my third hand. Come here, Eric. You're going to hold the mic so that people will hear me. So Sometimes we think that we can contain the Zoe life. We take our lives and we see the glory of God reflected in our lives, and we think it is us. We think we are the ones who shine. And we say, look, 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 look what I have here. But our bios life cannot contain the Zoe life. It can only reflect it. We cannot create the Zoe life, but we can make it visible to others. Amen. John does not want to tell us about how Jesus made his bios life better. John wants to tell us about a different kind of life, because John's bios life was ending. And he didn't want people to pay attention to that. At the end of his time on earth, he wanted to be sure that people knew about the Zoe life that had illuminated his entire bios existence. He wanted people to know that that Zoe life would carry him through even long after his bios life had ended. And he wanted people to know that they could discover this bios life for themselves. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about living in the light. And there are three things I want us to learn about from John about this Zoe life. And just coincidentally, they all start with F. So first of all, we can feel the Zoe life. Second, the Zoe life can find us. And third, we can follow it. Feel, find, follow. So first, we can feel the Zoe life. Well, how do we do that? The first thing to notice here is that John... When we talk, John, when we talk about feeling the life, it's not a human emotion, it's not some aspect of our human existence, because here John isn't talking about an aspect of human life. Indeed, he starts out verse one saying, in the beginning, and he did that on purpose, not just because he wanted some words to start out his gospel. He did this because it harkens all the way back to Genesis 1:1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what were the first words that God spoke? Let there be light. And so when John says in him was life and the life was the light of men, he is emphasizing that this Zoe life actually belongs to God. It originates with God. Zoe life is the divine life. It is made manifest to us in God's creation. When God said, let there be light, some of his divine life took form here in the world. But Zoe, life is not a created thing. It is a part of God. Now, we commonly think of light as something we can see, but the laser just illustrates for us that that's only partly true. In fact, we can only really see the light coming from the laser if we're standing in the right place and looking in the right direction. You from the audience can't see, or at least have very great difficulty seeing, the laser from where you're sitting because you're looking at it from the side. If I was to stand in front of the laser, but with my back to it, I would not see the beam. It's only if I face the light and put myself in the right position that it is visible. But even when we can't see the light, we can feel the light. Because it's hot. And in case you don't believe me, Even when we can't see the light, we can feel it. Now, the people of Israel were rarely in the right position with respect to God. And very often their gaze was in the wrong direction. So usually they couldn't see God, but they could feel him. The sense of the living God kindled a feeling in their hearts. And sometimes God's Zoe life was frightening. In Deuteronomy, right after they received the Ten Commandments from God, the Israelites said, If we hear the voice of God any more, we shall die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God, as we have speaking out of the midst of the fire, and has still lived? They were worried that in the presence of the living God, they would pop like the balloon. There were other times the Zoe life of God brought great courage. So when David first saw Goliath, he proclaimed, Who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You see, because a living God is one who is active. You can sense his presence, you can feel him moving, and you can know that he is going to do something. But you see, at the time John was writing his gospel his readers had reason to doubt that God was really a living God. About 20 years earlier, the Romans had destroyed the temple in Jerusalem and outlawed Christianity, and all of the original apostles, except for John, were dead, most of them having been killed for what they believed, and pretty soon John would be gone too, and where would they be then? If God was living and active, when was he going to do something? Well, here I want to remind you of one other use of the word live. How many of you have ever been to a live concert? Live concert. A few of you have lived very deprived lives, but most of you have been to a live concert. Awesome. Now, if you're at a really good live concert, and the musicians finish their set, and they walk off the stage, do you just say, oh, that was excellent. Let me go to the parking lot and try to get a beat on, beat the rush of traffic. No. You stay there, and you keep clapping, and you keep cheering. Maybe you stomp your feet because you're waiting for the right. Because that is the one special thing about a live performance. If you're watching that same performance on DVD, you can cheer and clap and scream all you want. The DVD is not going to make the musicians magically reappear. But a live musician can always come back for more. In fact, if you are a really good performer, and you know you're a really good performer, you'll save a couple of your best songs just for the encore, because you know it's coming. And it's the same with the living God. Sometimes he saves his best stuff for the encore. You see, the Bible is a record of the living God. He is a God who is full of Zoe life, a God who speaks to people, touches their hearts, makes a way where there seems to be no way, and just wait to see what he does for an encore because he is not done yet. The Israelites were slaves for 400 years in Egypt, and they thought God had forgotten them, but he was not done yet. Those same Israelites were dragged into captivity in Babylon, their homes destroyed. He was not done yet. They, the, the Romans conquered Judea, and the Israelites thought that the Messiah would never come, but he was not done yet. The Messiah came, and he was beaten and crucified and died, but he was not done yet because he is a living God. some of you right now need to know that the living God is not done yet. It might seem like the things you have been praying for are never going to come to pass, but he is not done yet. You might be stuck in a situation and it might seem like there is no way out, but he is not done yet. Despite everything you do, things might seem like they are going from bad to worse in your life, but he is not done yet. Someone needs to praise him like they are waiting for an encore. When we feel God's Zoe life, even when we can't see it, we we even when God doesn't seem to be doing anything, we can praise him because we know that the living God is not done yet. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Because the Zoe life cannot be overcome. Death cannot end it. Obstacles cannot stop it. The enemy cannot defeat it. Jesus, the word made flesh, was crucified, died, and laid in a tomb, but he was only borrowing it. Because after three days, he rose. And because he lives, we can also live. That is the power of a living God. And so we can feel the Zoe life of God. That is the first point. The second point is perhaps the most obvious one. Light is really helpful if you are trying to find something. Anyone who has ever searched for a light switch in the dark knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's really hard when the lights are out, but as soon as the light comes on, it's a lot easier. Light helps us find things. Because when the light finds what we are looking for, the object can reflect the light back to us. So if I shine this this much less powerful laser pointer, don't worry, uh, at the ceiling, the ceiling reflects some of that light back to us. And John uses this aspect of light to illustrate one of the great mysteries of Zoe life. And it is this. The Zoe life has come looking, searching for us. As John writes, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. Since before we were even born, God's Zoe life, that is the light, the life that gives light to everyone, has been searching for us, looking for us. Even when we were not searching for it, it was searching for us. And this becomes more clear when we... Uh, actually understand a little bit about Greek, and we find that the word for dead, as in the word for not alive, the word for dead is actually the same as the word for lost. And so when the word in Greek is apolomi. And so when Jesus says he came for the lost sheep, well, folks, I know sheep are cute and warm and fuzzy, but I have some bad news for you. Lost sheep... Don't come back. They gone. See, sheep are not equipped to survive in the wild. I don't know if it's going to be wolves or lions or falling off a cliff, but a lost sheep is also a dead sheep. Looking at it from the other direction, in John 3.16, when Jesus says that whoever believes in Jesus should not perish, but have eternal life, that word perish could just as easily be be translated that whosoever believes in Jesus should not be lost, but have eternal life. Because on earth, Jesus came looking for the lost, the perishing, that they might have life. What What were the lyrics of that song? There's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. That was, I give give the worship team some praise. That was the first time I heard that song, but that was excellent. John chose light as his symbol for Zoe life specifically because light is good at finding things that are lost. And when the light finds us, we can reflect the divine Zoe life in our own bio slides. But how do we do that? How do we become part of this Zoe life? Well, John gives us a very simple answer. Believe in the name of Jesus. I could break things down into the Greek and make it complex and deep for those of you with graduate degrees. But John states it simply and clearly, believe in Jesus and you will receive the Zoe. life. It's not complicated. You just place your faith in the Zoe life made flesh and his life will come into your heart. Indeed, it's so simple that you might wonder why everyone doesn't do it. And Jesus discusses this at great length, and he tells us that those who do not follow him fear the light. And they don't fear it in the same way that the Israelites feared hearing the words of God around Mount Sinai. That was a godly fear. No, those that avoid the light fear it for the wrong reason. You see, what we fear is we fear being exposed. We fear that our bad decisions, our wrong actions, our mistakes, our evil intentions will be exposed to God and by God. And so we hide. We hide from God. And that is the root of sin. Not that we have done wrong, or not just that we have done wrong, but that we also hide from the light. Because sin is separation from God. And folks, this is just human nature. When Adam and Eve disobeyed in the garden, what was the first thing they did? They hid from God. But even though we hide from it, the word became flesh and came searching for us, not to expose our faults and mistakes, not to judge us for our sins or punish us. No, Jesus came to redeem us, to offer forgiveness of sins and greater union with God. Because the truth is that it is our imperfections that reflect the light. If there is nothing in this bottle, there is nothing to reflect God's glory for others to see. This is why Paul writes, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, or in this case in plastic bottles, to show that the surpassing power is from God and not from us. You see, God's Zoe life doesn't infiltrate our being to test how perfect we are. Rather, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. When others see the joy in our lives at being forgiven much, they are drawn to a God who could maybe, just maybe, forgive them too. You see, sometimes we talk about people having a new life in Christ, and we just mean it metaphorically like they really cleaned up their act and started making good decisions they have a new life but in this case the new life is really just a better version of the old life and john is telling us that our new life in christ is much much more than that as he writes but to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god who were born not of the blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god The Zoe life doesn't come from changing our bios life. The Zoe life must be born in us because it is not just a changed life. It is another life, another kind of life. And this is the reason we talk about being born again Christians. The bios life is being born and the Zoe life is being born again. Born to a second life. You know, there was a long-running soap opera that was called One Life to Live. I won't ask if anybody watched that. But John is telling us that if we believe in Jesus, we actually have two lives to live. Two lives at the same time. One is our bios life, the life of our bodies, our personality, our characteristics. That life is temporary. It will end. And at the same time, in Christ, we are living a zoe life, a life that is from God and that has no end. It continues far beyond the end of our zoe life. One day our bios life will end, but our zoe life will keep going. And that fact, the fact that we have another life to live, is what changes our bios life. Folks, we spend too much time sitting around waiting for God to change our bios life. It's like people are waiting around for a radioactive spider bite from Jesus. Now, some of you didn't get that joke. In the comic books, there's a character named Peter Parker. And it's just a long story. But folks, believing in Jesus is not going to give you superpowers. The shield of faith is not made of vibranium. The belt of truth does not have a batarang attached to it. Folks, I can do this all day. I got jokes. I know the Avengers movie came out this weekend, but we are not in a movie theater. Jesus came to preach the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Wakanda. Stop waiting around for God to give you superpowers. See too often before we do something for God, we either need to be slain in the spirit or fall out in church or receive a prophetic word or we set dead we set goals after which we will serve God. After I get my graduate degree, after I get promoted, after 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 he gives me those superpowers. And what John is saying is it shouldn't take all that because if nothing else, just knowing that we have another eternal life to live should motivate us to do something with our temporary Bios life. And it's time for the, su- the student, I still have more to say, but it's time for, we have, su- we have Sunday school today, right? Yes. So it's time for the Sunday school students and teachers. I'm going to give you some time, give you a chance to, uh, to, uh, head out. Um, I have, w- No, no, there's no, there's not. There's just reiterations of the same demonstration. Kids, don't worry. I'm there's not. It's not like you're going to see it even cool. It's really funny. Like you know, when I'm walking around church, the kids remember the demonstrations. Like you're the guy who did that thing. I don't know if they remember any of the words that I talk about, but they remember the demonstrations. So they, I, so yes, I try to put the demonstrations at the front to make sure all the kids get them. But. The fact that we have an eternal life should motivate us to do something with this temporary bios life that we have. Now, I'm reminded here of uh, when Pam Arland, uh, she came and spoke as part of our Living Life on Mission series last week. And Pam, she was a missionary to the Tajik people in China for about 10 years. Um, and when she was here, one of the members of our congregation asked her, well, how did you become a missionary? How did you pick the particular people that you did. And Pentecostals that we are, I thought that, I think we probably expected that there was going to be a really dramatic story involved. You know, like Jesus coming to her in a vision and saying, go, or, you know, a sensation of scales falling from her eyes. But Pam's experience was far less dramatic. She said she simply took a list of unengaged people groups, people that had no known Christians, no one who could share the gospel in their own language within their own culture, She went down that list. She found the name Tajik. And she said, oh, these people need someone? I'll go. That's it. No revival move of the Holy Spirit. She didn't have a a graduate degree. There was no prophetic word. She just had a willingness to use her bios life to reflect the Zoe life. And when she got to the Tajik people, Pam found that there were really simple ways that she could reflect God's glory. You see, at the time... And one of the simplest ways that she could do this was to have them draw pictures. Pretty simple. See, at the time, the Tajik, there was no Bible in the Tajik language. And even if there was, most of the Tajik people were illiterate. They wouldn't have been able to read it. And so to get them to understand and learn and have a Bible that they could refer to, she would have them draw pictures. She would tell, you know, for example, to teach the story of, say, Lazarus being raised from the dead, she would give them a piece of paper with four boxes on it, and she would tell them the story over and over again and ask them to fill the boxes with pictures illustrating what happened in the story. And so then at the end of that time, each person had a Bible story written in a language they could understand, the language of pictures. And I think everyone who was at her talk was like, oh, wait, that's it? You just had people draw pictures? I could have done that. I mean, I didn't do that, but I could have done that. And I, for one, felt pretty convicted because she made sharing the gospel under a repressive communist regime sound easy, whereas I make sharing the gospel here in America sound hard. Why don't we do more of the easy things that reflect God in our lives, showing hospitality, Praying for people, sharing what God has done, reaching out to the poor, the lost, the outsiders. Because in the end, the story is simple. Believe in Jesus, and you can have eternal life. We don't need superpowers to tell that story. Just being born into that life is enough. Because our Zoe life is eternal, and once we are found by it, we have a limited time offer to reflect that life in our temporary life on earth. And so we can feel the Zoe life, we can be found by it, and the final F is follow. The Zoe life gives us something to follow. So if I take this laser again and I point it at the ceiling, and I hold my hand relatively steady, it gives us a direction to follow, something to head toward. Indeed, during the early days of Christianity, Christians were not called Christians, Christianity was called the way, and Christians were called followers of Jesus because they were following the direction that Jesus' life had set for them. Now, folks, you need to realize that following is not a spectator sport. Sometimes we think that being a Christian means God is going to magically take us from where we are to where we want to be. Folks, that is not God. That is Uber. Okay, so if you want to get from point A to point B, call an Uber. If you want new life, call Jesus. See, some of you are taking a nap in the back seat waiting for Jesus to drive you to heaven. And I got bad news for you because that is not how it works. Jesus is our Lord, not our chauffeur. Following Jesus is about more than just climbing in the car and saying, Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) Jesus leads, and we follow. He sets the direction. He points the way. We follow. Now, there is a modern convenience that I think sometimes confuses us about what it is like being a follower of Christ. Now, most of you who have smartphones have at least one app Maybe it's Waze or Google Maps or MapQuest, but at least one app that will use your GPS to give you specific directions. You put in your destination, and it will give you real-time instructions on how to get there. You know, in 1,000 feet, turn left. Continue straight for 3.1 miles. Watch out. Stopped vehicle on shoulder ahead. But the direction God gives us to follow does not work like our GPS. God does not give us turn-by-turn directions for how to get through the bios life. It's not like he comes and says to us, in 1,000 feet you will find a lost soul who needs to be saved. Continue praying for 3.1 minutes. Watch out, spiritual temptation in nightclub ahead. That is not how God directs us to follow him, and that is a good thing. Because how many of you have ever been somewhere... And in the middle of a trip, your GPS loses signal. And you you look up and you realize, oh, snap, I have no idea where I am. Because you can have the most accurate, up-to-date, detailed map in the world, but if you don't know where you are, you are lost. And no map is going to be able to find you. But when God finds us, he does not give us a map. He gives us a compass. You see, a compass points in a direction that tells you how to get from where you are to where you want to go. Even if you are lost and don't know the where you are, the compass can tell you how to get out. And just like the compass, God goes with us when we are lost and points the direction back to him. We just have to follow. Come on now, that is a good word. Sometimes instead of some directions from God, what we really need is the direction to God. And John writes that God has given us exactly that And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was the Zoe life-made flesh, and he came to earth so that we could see the way to God. You see, God points us to follow a path whose ultimate end is not found in this temporary life. And we often forget this. We get tied up in the business of everyday life, what other people think of us, what's done and what's left to be undone. And we just forget that our bios life right now is just part of a longer, eternal journey. Tony Campolo uh, tells a parable about this. And the parable is about a missionary. Uh, let's call him Doug. So Doug has been working for several years uh, abroad in a community, uh, working spreading the gospel, uh helping the poor, trying to get get to get them quality health care and clean water to drink, and the time comes for him to take a furlough trip back to the states. And on the plane back to the US, he happens to be on the plane with a famous actress. And when they arrive at the airport, the famous actress is greeted by a crowd of people who sweep her up with cheers and embraces. Meanwhile, there has been some miscommunication with Doug's home church. The hospitality committee apparently didn't get the message that his plane was arriving early, and so there is no one at the airport to meet Doug. And as he sits glumly on a bench waiting for his ride, Doug looks up to heaven and says, You know, God, I don't ask for much. I didn't expect a big celebration, but it would have been nice if there was someone here to greet me when I came home. To which God replies, Doug, you're not home yet. Because sometimes in this life, We are going to have to fight the fight alone. No one will come to help us. We will be tired. We will want to give up because we are not home yet. Sometimes when you try to do the right thing, the world will be against time, against you. Every time you try to do something right, someone gets in your way, saying bad things about you, blaming you for things you did not do because you are not Home yet. Sometimes in this life we will feel our old selves creeping back. Sins we thought we had beat. Demons we thought we are free of. Because we are not home yet. Sometimes we will have to join with Daniel's companions and say, Our God whom we serve is able to save us from the fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not be it known to you that we will not serve the gods you serve or worship the image you have set up because we are not home yet. (laughs) We serve a God who sent his only son to us, a son who was condemned to die though he had done no wrong A son who had a crown of thorns pressed into his scalp. A son who was mocked by the crowds who came to watch his execution. A son who forgave his executioners and ultimately died on the cross. Because he was not home. There may be times in this life where you are not appreciated. In in fact, if you follow the path that Jesus laid out, I guarantee you there will be times where you will not be appreciated here on earth. But we are following a path whose end point is beyond this life. And when we get to heaven, there's going to be a celebration. There's going to be someone there to greet us. And he's going to take us in his arms. And he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have finished the race. You have fought the good fight. Welcome home. That is the message this morning. Jesus came to offer us life. A life we can feel even when we cannot see it. A life that comes to find us. A life that calls us to follow. That ultimately, in following, we might come home. And so I want to pray, pray with you right now. Um, I want to say just a short prayer. Um, so if you just bow your heads where you're at uh, and pray with me. Father God, we thank you for life. We thank you that when we were lost, you sent your Son to find us, to bring life to those who were perishing, to resurrect that which was dead. And because Jesus came and died and rose and lives, we can have. Abundant life. Eternal life.